Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of following the laws of the land. I don't understand why people say that consequences have no deterrence. And when we don't bring consequences, ladies and gentlemen, we destroy all authority. That's why our homes are messed up. That's why society's messed up. Nobody pays for their evil deeds. We've decriminalized the law, we've protected the criminal, and we have sacrificed the citizen. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Freedom. That's the foundation behind the founding of America. However, freedom has embedded in it one important element, authority. Today, Pastor Xavier reminds us how even in a society of freedoms like our own, someone has to be in charge. Today, he shares how the Christian should respect the laws of the land and put his confidence in God for the ultimate outcome. Here he is with today's Simple Truth study from Romans chapter 13, The Christian and Civil Authority. In view of all that God has done for us, we, the believer, are to present our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And we do this in three places. It's lived out that way. And he did said that in chapter 12. In verse 3 through 8, the believer is to live in the church in humility through his or her gifts. In verse 9 through 13, the believer is to live out that life towards other believers an everyday life. And then verses 14 through 21, the believer is to live it out towards the non-believer in the world. We're to be known by, by his love. He told it to the disciples. Paul now declared that the life of the believer is to be lived as a living sacrifice as he subjects himself to the ruling authorities that are in this world. And so his declaration provides us with three things regarding the believer's responsibility towards these ruling authorities. Let me read here verse 1 through 7. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The proclamation of the principle is simple and clear. The existing authorities are appointed by God. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul declared the consequences of, of disobeying the ruling authorities. Every person that resists the ruling authorities is resisting God. Listen to him. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. The individual would include believer and non-believer, though he'll make direct application to believer as we move along. Two different words are used for resist. The first means to arrange an army in battle against someone. In this case, the authorities focusing on conduct. This word is use of God to resist the proud. 
James 4, 6, and 1 Peter 5, 5. The second and third word for resist means to oppose or stand oneself against a permanent antagonism. Permanent. Focusing on attitude. No Christian should be a permanent antagonism to the authorities. If so, they are opposing the ordinance of God. The only exception is when we are told by the government or commanded to contradict the word of God or to not carry out the will of God. Acts 5.29. That's the only time. Notice verse 3. The apostle Paul declared the nature of the ruling authorities. The rulers are not a terror to good works, but evil. The rational of Paul is simple, logical, and common sense. If a person wants to not be afraid of the authorities, he or she should do what? Good. The ruling authorities are God's ministers to the believer for good. For he is God's minister to you. He makes a real person, the Christian, for you, for good. The individuals in positions of authority and power who serve in society are doing God's bidding, though they are non-Christians. Paul used the authorities for his good. Remember in Acts 22, 25, and 25, 11, he, uh, they attempted to scourge him. He says, is it lawful to scourge a Roman? Whoa, you're Roman? And then he appealed to Caesar. So he used the law for good. Notice the warning to those who would not respect the power of the ruling authorities. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. So the purpose of the ruling authorities is that of deterrent to those who do, would do evil. The caution is clear. If a person does evil, in this case, a Christian, by the phrase, if you, they are to be afraid of the ruling authorities. I don't understand why people say that consequences have no deterrence. And when we don't bring consequences, ladies and gentlemen, we destroy all authority. That's why our homes are messed up. That's why schools are messed up. That's why society is messed up. Nobody pays for their evil deeds. We've decriminalized the law. We've protected the criminal. And we have sacrificed the citizen. The power of the authorities have been given the right by God to the extent of capital punishment. Don't miss this. The phrase, for he does not bear the sword in vain, indicates as well as implies the right and justice of putting a person to death for their crime or crimes by those in authority and power. Not bearing the sword in vain means for no cause. They don't just have that for just to show off. They have it, able to use it. Not only in defense as they implement to exercise the laws, but after the judicial system and courts and consequences after a verdict. Now many today cry out against capital punishment saying that it is cruel and it doesn't deter crime. I know one person is deterred permanently. Yet God from the beginning instituted capital punishment for two reasons. Genesis 9, 5 through 6, when Noah got off the boat, God told him this. If a man kills a man, you kill that man. If an animal kills a man, you kill that animal. And he says, because you are created in the image and likeness of God. It's a biblical reason, spiritual reason. Secondly, 
Numbers 35, 31 through 34 says that the land is polluted and defiled if capital punishment is not executed for the good of society. Look to our land, ladies and gentlemen, since we've been a bunch of whammy-pamby little sissies and we can't execute people who deserve to put to death, we have to put bars on our windows and our doors. And the criminal has all the rights. The law has definitely been tweaked. Now many Christians attempt to declare that it is unscriptural when in fact it is a command in principle and allowed in practice in both the New and the Old Testament. Even 1 Peter 2.14 says also capital punishment. Now I can respect your opinion if that's what you believe but don't come and tell me that it's scriptural. The affirmation of the office and purpose of those in place of ruling authority. Notice that. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So the office of a person is declared again to be the minister, diakonos, the servant of God. This is the second time in this verse. And they're non-believers. God calls Cyrus his anointed, the instrument of judgment over Babylon, Isaiah 44, 28 and to 45, 1. God declared that the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord like a river of water, and he turns it wherever he wishes, Proverbs 21, 1. The purpose of the person is to be an avenger, notice that, of God, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, directly and through the men in authority. Those representatives of the governing authorities have this great responsibility to those in society, to be true society, to bring the past the just and the right thing to do, being accountable to God in judgment one day. Those breaking the traffic laws reap to the, what they sow. They have to pay the price for a ticket. They have to pay the price for the traffic school and then the certificate for the court. You say, how do you know so much? Because I've been there. <laughs> they have to pay higher insurance prices. At times, they lose their privilege of driving. You reap, you sow. Galatians 6 8. Christian, non Christian. When there are individuals who apply, or occupy the position of authority and do so honorably and honestly for the sake of society, then society becomes a very safe and peaceful place, though it's never trouble-free. They being subject to the same law, not above it, so they execute it properly, and they know that they're subject to the law. They're not abusing or misusing their authority, but being equitable in conformity to law. Sadly, the U.S. today, many of those in authority have become so corrupt and evil that it's not even funny. Making society skeptical of justice. Making society more lawless. Making society more dangerous. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set on them to do evil. Because we do not execute justice, equity, we encourage the lawbreaker. We encourage theft. We encourage liars. We encourage adulterers. We encourage fornicators. We encourage pornographers. We encourage murders. We encourage abortion. In states and societies that execute their office according to the law, they become a blessing for the people. Having confidence in the officials, confidence in the system, having peace of mind, seeing the outworking of the laws and in the courtrooms, never thinking that it's perfect. 
As 1 Timothy 2.2 says, praying for kings and all who are in authority that they may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. He's telling the church to do that, the men, for those in authority. And so the explanation of the principle is unmistakable. If you disobey, you will be punished. Notice thirdly, the application of the principle, 5 through 7. In verse 5, the apostle Paul declared the believer must be subject for two reasons. This is the conclusion of all that has preceded. Therefore, you must be subject. The word therefore, as you know, could be translated wherefore, inasmuch, or in view of these facts that we have covered from verse 1 to 4. The believer, you, underline that, must be subject to the governing authorities. The word must means necessity, duty, and obligation. It is not an option or a suggestion. And the word subject, again, is hupotasso, under the military rank, lining up. The first reason, notice, is practical and external. The wrath of the authority should cause the believer to obey. When I see them execute somebody, what should go through my mind is, I don't ever want to go there. You understand? Not only because of wrath, he says. God has delegated his authority to man and earth to bring forth punishment to those who violate the laws and order of society. Man is the representative of God to execute vested authority, to rule and execute judgment in society indicative of the word wrath, orge, exhibiting punishment. Notice the second reason. It's personal and internal. For conscience' sake, the believer should obey the laws being spiritual. We understand this. We can see both sides of the streets. We used to be there but also for conscience' sake. The conscience of man is according to the knowledge of the world, and it can be callous, defiled, seared, but it's still responsible to law. God has given us a conscience, but we mess it all up. We scar it. The conscience of the believer is to be recalibrated according to the word of God, where we find the will of God, and we can be more righteous, more just, more obedient to governmental authorities. Not that we don't have the capacity, because the whole passage is the implication and warning to the Christian. Now notice the Apostle Paul declared the believer is to pay taxes for the same two reasons. Verse 6, for because of this, you also pay taxes. In other words, the same two reasons that are given in verse 5 apply to verse 6. The principle and command was given by our Lord Jesus Christ. They asked him one day, is it lawful to pay taxes, to tribute or taxes to Caesar? And he asked for a coin. He didn't even have a coin. Amazing, huh? He says, whose image is on the coin? He says, Caesar's. Then give, God, give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. You can find it in Mark 12, 17. Find it in Matthew and Luke also. The taxes are for the privilege of living in a society and the benefits for the public. And they are not to neglect or protest on the basis of being Christians. Now, we can vote, we can protest, we can, we can petition and all that. If we don't like it, to change it. But we don't excite an overthrow of government. You understand? That's what he's talking about. The things of God are neither to be withheld as an excuse to be obedient to the governmental authorities. He says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Don't rob God to pay the authorities. That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus said. Simple. The authorities are diligent to collect taxes and seek out 
lawbreakers who attempt to avoid paying taxes. He says, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing, and they are very diligent in this thing. Let me tell you. They are the ministers of God for the third time, he says. The word is different than the first two in verse 4 and 6. The word is liturgios, a public minister, a servant of the state, also used for the sacred service of the priesthood in the temple in Jerusalem. Notice they are persistent in their office to collect and to punish evildoers. The phrase attend continually means to adhere to, to be devoted and unremitted. And they are, look at seven. The apostle Paul declared the unbeliever must render to the ruling authorities all their revenues. The price is personal debt. Render, therefore, to all their dues. The word render simply means to give over, to deliver. It is an imperative command once again, not a suggestion. There's no liberty here. Remember, Rome was the nation that he's speaking in terms of cultural background. So as you start protesting in your mind, Paul is writing under the Roman government. Keep that in mind. The word due simply means that which is owed. The particular is all, no exception. So as a Christian, you're to pay all your taxes, all your dues. Nor do the particulars are for. Taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Taxes simply means the tributes, particularly annual taxes levied upon houses, lands, or persons. Sometimes that's where it is. Customs means taxes at ports of entry for bringing goods brought abroad in another country. So if you go abroad, you buy a diamond ring, some watches, don't sneak them in. Fear, phobos, in reference to the consequence of violating the tax and custom laws. You better fear. Honor means respect given to those in authority. Again, keep in mind, who is it? that Paul is writing in, in terms, Rome. Now, in the United States, is pretty bad, but we still haven't gotten there. But we're pretty close. The believer is a pilgrim and sojourner on his way to heaven, so he is not to live for things, but simply use things in order to live. Nothing wrong with a house, nothing wrong with a car, nothing wrong with clothes, but you don't live for them, and you don't live beyond your means. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Matthew six thirty three. There are so many that cheat on their income taxes, justifying that the government's a thief, but they're wrong. There are Christians that at times do the same thing, and they get in trouble and they blow their witness for Christ. The conscience of the believer is subject to the word of God, out of love for God, being the purest and the most honorable motivation. I do what I do for the love of God. I appreciate him. I honor his word. Verse Timothy 4, 12 says, Let no one despise your youth. Be an example of the believer in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. The believer is to pay his taxes and customs. The believer is to fear the authorities that are to be feared. Federal, state, local. Parental, employer, educational. Now all of these can go awry. We still acknowledge them and respect them, but we don't follow them when they tell us to go against God, Right? The believers to honor the authorities that are to be honored. Country and all authorities. Elders. Parental, as I said, one fellow's man. 
The only time that a Christian is allowed to disobey is directly. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Acts 5.29. When the disciples were commanded to stop preaching, Jesus says, you, you examine whether we are to obey God or man. We will obey God. But until that day happens, we will continue to do what God tells us to do, to be submissive and obedient. The rationale that authorities are misusing the finances is not legitimate. For Rome did all of that at the time of the writing. The rationale the authorities are using tax money to finance abortions, wars, and other questionable things is no reason for Rome funded many ungodly and horrible things and atrocities, and Paul is saying, pay your taxes. You understand? God will hold them responsible. You've got legislation. Vote. Do you realize that this last election, only one-third of Christians were registered to vote and voted? Shame on us. Absolutely shameful. The priority of the believers to commend themselves to God in his sufferings as a faithful creator, 1 Peter 4.19. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 21. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the kings as supreme or to the governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. There's capital punishment again. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak of vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Paul is saying, you servants, those masters that beat you, you submit to them. Whoa! And if you have a master that beats you, then you haven't gotten as bad as the day of Paul and Peter. He says, for this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. In chapter 3 of Peter, verse 10 through 16, he says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. The application of the principle is to every believer and it is to be an example of obedience. The believer's responsibility to be a living sacrifice unto God as he submits himself to the ruling authorities in this world has been laid out by Paul. The proclamation of the principle is simple and clear. The existing authorities are appointed 
by God. The explanation of the principle is unmistakable. If you disobey, you will be punished. And the application of the principle is that every believer is to be an example of obedience. Pastor Xavier Reese and the proper response of the Christian when it comes to civil authority. Important simple truths drawn from Romans chapter 13. And if you'd like a copy of this study to dig deeper into its teaching, or perhaps pass on to a friend, it's titled, The Christian and Civil Authority. Request a CD for just $4. And by the way, this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, The Christian and Civil Authority, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 